the work of treating opioid use disorders and preventing overdose deaths in Illinois is set to get a big boost of hundreds of millions of dollars. Governor J.B. Pritzker recently announced the state's plan for where that money will go. Illinois, along with dozens of other states, expects to cash out from the national settlement of lawsuits against three major drug distributors and drug maker Johnson & Johnson. And it can't come soon enough. The second year of the pandemic proved to be deadlier than the first, with nearly 2,000 opioid-related deaths in Cook County last year. Let's talk now with some people working to prevent deaths from opioids in our area. Joining us is Lee Rush, director of the Westside Heroin Opioid Task Force. Welcome, Lee. Thank you. Glad to be here. Luther Sias is the director of outreach for that task force. Welcome, Luther. Good morning. Thank you. And Dave Jimenez is the director of community outreach intervention projects at University of Illinois Chicago's School of Public Health. Hey, Dave. Hi. Good morning. Thank you. So I want to begin with this national opioid settlement. It's sending $26 billion to state and local governments across the country. Lee, can you bring us up to speed here? Because this is this is not the suit that's against Purdue Pharma, right? Right, right. Uh, well, you know, we're, we really welcome this. I mean, we've been waiting and hearing about these settlements for quite a while now, and so it's great that it's come to fruition. Do you think that this settlement goes far enough? Well, I, I think it. I don't think it goes far enough. We could still use more dollars, and we could still uh, really kind of root out uh, all the folks, all the organizations and uh, companies that were, uh, you know, part of this kind of uh, uh, fraud, I guess, this, this promotion of uh, of these deadly drugs. Luther, what are your thoughts? Do you think it goes far enough? I, I, I don't think so, because we, we're in dire need of expanding all of the outreach and collaborative services that we're trying to provide just here on the west side, not even citywide. And uh, with that being said, we definitely need to make sure we have enough dollars and enough uh, training and assistance to continue and expand those services. Right. Illinois officials expect to receive $760 million from the settlement. Uh, The governor says the funds are going to be spread out over 18 years. Dave, what are your thoughts on, on spreading it out over close to two decades? when the need is so great now. Yeah, I agree with the sentiment that's already been expressed uh, by uh, Lou and Lee, uh, that uh, there actually is a really urgent need for uh, monies to be, uh, uh, you know, given to organizations that are doing primarily frontline, you know, especially frontline work, uh, like like uh, the organizations here on this call uh, and others that aren't on this call. Yeah. Well, you know, the plan would create an office within the Illinois Department of Human Services uh, dedicated to distributing the money uh, with an emphasis on funneling that cash to the places with the most urgent need. So talk to us more about that, Dave. What are some of the places in Chicago and, and across the state with the most urgent need right now? Yeah, well, I can tell you about the work that we're doing because, uh, you know, we're in the Chicago region. Yeah. Uh, and so we're uh, primarily uh, working on the west side. Uh, trying to uh, intervene in the opioid crisis there by providing uh, harm reduction information, overdose prevention education, and linkage uh, to uh, uh, substance abuse, uh, medically assisted recovery uh, services, uh, all the the way we've collaborated is provided on site uh, uh, on the streets. There are a lot of other organizations in the city doing similar work. A lot of our work is focused on the west side. The south side has its own particular issues and needs. I've also been uh, working with Cook County to try to understand the opioid crisis in the suburbs, and there clearly is a 
you know, suburban Cook County need. I would guess that this extends to other parts of the state. Uh, we have a project, uh, a research program with the University of Chicago, uh, where we're looking at uh, implementing a, a, a recovery coaching intervention and case management intervention in other parts of the state, and there seem to be very similar mm-hmm. shortages of, of resources. Luther, there's also going to be an advisory board to help make decisions about where the money will go. It's going to be made up of local and state appointees headed by the state's chief behavioral health officer. So far, we know that Illinois State Representative LaShawn Ford is going to sit on that board. What do you think about this this board? I, I think it's really needed. And I think with uh, someone like Representative LaShawn Ford, we feel uh, assured that our voices will be heard here on the West Side. And I also think if we could also get someone with lived experience to serve on that board would be great because this is where the entire program is rooted. And and I think getting the voice of the people that's really Mm -hmm. being impacted by this would be great for the services of the community. So you bring up an interesting point there, Luther. So what you're saying, what signals to you that the perspective of, of folks who are drug users are included in this process is if they do have folks with lived experience on the board. Yes, right. That That's one of the things I would hope they have and, 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 and have it set where people can really voice their opinion and be open and honest about, because we, we experience quite a bit now with the collaboration that we have going, but what we find out, there are still some gaps. As much as we are doing, there are still gaps in the services uh, 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 delivery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and we see a need to really close these gaps to give people a, a true uh, sense of getting the, the, the service to heal uh, as they need to be, because we have the programs. And if we get that continuity and, and fill those gaps, I think that's where we begin to uh, see a decrease in the death and also a decrease in the EMS calls here on the west side, which is really what needed. We've seen some decreases, yeah. but uh, I think filling those gaps would be a, a, a real productive way of servicing the community and, and beginning to uh, uh, put a dent in what's happening with these opioids, especially with the uh, increase of fentanyl and other substances showing up out here. Mm-hmm. we got to stay on top of it. And, and instead of just chasing the, the hot spots, I think we've take and fill those gaps, uh, that would be the answer to a lot of the questions we've been asking. Dave, let's talk about treatment. Uh, It's historically been understood as drug rehab services, but that's expanding now to include harm reduction techniques. Yeah, I think uh, his, you know, traditionally uh, when person takes a treatment, it's a fixed site treatment. They're a very important resource that we offer people linkage to. We do work with a lot of uh, uh, fixed site uh, methadone, for example, treatment programs and other treatment programs. But there's been uh, really in the last uh, couple of years an expansion of the idea of the treatment model to include kind of more alternative ways to deliver access uh, to services. Uh, uh, one example is uh, our own program where we have a, a mobile medically uh, assisted treatment program uh, where we offer access to buprenorphine um, and uh, other uh, medically assisted recovery medications on our van. There are other programs doing very, very similar things. Uh, I know Night Ministry Thresholds 
uh, uh, does uh, mobile work as well. Mm -hmm. uh, there are other providers that are kind of looking, uh, even though they're fixed site, do more of a, a harm reduction approach and understanding treatment for uh, uh, Lawndale Christian. There's, there's, there's a, a host of providers out there that are beginning to look at it differently and working with people where they're at and understanding that uh, a recovery is a long uh, term process for some people and you have to be able to work uh, work with folks where they're at in order to gain their trust you know, to be able to, to help them more effectively. Mm -hmm. Lee, the, the governor's announcement incorporates the State Overdose Action Plan, uh, which includes prioritizing education with doctors and how readily they prescribe opioids. How important is this preventative measure? I think it's a, uh, an important part of the process. I mean, uh, a lot of the folks on the West Side, uh, their use of uh, opioids didn't necessarily come through uh, prescriptions. A lot of it's just uh, through the uh, street level use, but I mean that's a, a key part of it. You know, I would I would just echo what my colleagues here said is that uh, we're finding a great opportunity to do street level intervention to reach uh, folks who have been either uh, don't know how to connect or don't have the transportation issues or don't have uh, the support that they need to uh, enter treatment. And so you know, really stepping out into the community. Uh, being where they are, uh, employing people with lived experience who can connect with people, mm -hmm. I think is, is really, I think that's really where the crux of it is for I us see. on the West side. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we are talking about how Illinois officials plan on using $760 million from the National Opioid Settlement with three major drug distributors and drug manufacturer Johnson & Johnson. So giving us their reactions are folks who work on the ground preventing overdoses and treating opioid use disorder. Luther, talk to us about your day-to-day -day work. And I'm curious, how common are overdoses? Well, quite common. Uh, we are out five, six days a week now during the summer because there are a lot of special events going on. But it's quite common. We, uh, we do pop-ups uh, quite often, and it's usually not uncommon to see an overdose at least once a day, sometimes twice a day. Wow. Uh, we we have our schedule uh, events and schedule sites that we visit, but we also uh, do unscheduled uh, assessment, riding through the community to see if there are spots, because sometimes the spots will shift. They will move, or uh, might be a block or half block or around a corner. And I have team, most 90% of my team are people with lived experience live in the community, understand what's happening out there, and they're able to go to these sites and relate to the individuals. And I think it's very impressive uh, once our team engage with people and, and the people see that people came from where they were to being trainers and out there helping people. Mm -hmm. It's very impactful, and, it, it's, and uh, it's, it's trusting. It's a trust factor also. Because once they see people they know and people from the community, right. uh, they uh, realize, well, hey, this is not a bogus program. These people are really trying to help. And we get a lot of that on our debriefs and on our sheets. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, Nor can't save my life. Well, you know, I've saved a friend. I wish I'd had it earlier because I did lose a friend. So we get all of those uh, uh, responses from the people we're engaging with. And... Uh, yeah, that's that great. A great yeah, and then and today we have a split shift. I have some out on the street, and I have some working in the office, putting together the kits and and 
and the handouts that we use on a daily basis, mm-hmm. whether whether it be our, we have what's called the tier kits where people can dispose of old medication and unused medication, and we have our Narcan, and we uh, have the syringes and the spray, yeah. and people ha- have the opportunity to select one or the other. And uh, we have hygiene kits that are donated by various organizations and people where we get some clothes out and uh, and, they, and those come in very, very helpful because a lot of the people are homeless. They really don't have yeah. a place to stay. Yeah. And, and Lee, let me bring you in here. Uh, you just in your work with Luther, of course, your, your organization, as he mentioned, you, you train folks on, on being able to administer naloxone. Part of your work is also handing out these fentanyl test strip kits. If fentanyl is detected, what should people do? Well, uh, you know, obviously, you know, if it would be great to just kind of dispose that and, and not use it because it's a very dangerous drug. Um, you know, harm reduction would say, you know, if they are going to use it, if you test for fentanyl, then you have to really follow the basic tenets of harm reduction, uh, which would... would uh, apply even if there wasn't fentanyl in there, and that yeah. is don't use alone. Uh, go slow. Don't try to use the whole amount right away. Uh, definitely be around somebody. Um, you know, we're, we're like, we really uh, are appreciative of working with uh, COIP, with Dave's team, mm-hmm. uh, out there a couple times a week because um, we offer an opportunity for people who they feel, uh, if they feel like they may um, have taken too much, or if their friend feels that they've taken too much, they can bring it over to a, what we're calling our sobering site. Yeah. And they can be watched by um, uh, medical professionals who could reverse the overdose should they uh, go, you know, fall through on that. You know, if it, we find, we're finding fentanyl showing up in, in uh, non-opioid uh, drugs, uh, such as cocaine, and yeah. uh, we're wow. even thinking that it might be into, into ecstasy. So, uh, you know, somebody who's never used opioids, if they find fentanyl in there, that's definitely they need to dispose of it. And, and Dave, they mentioned your work, community outreach intervention projects at, at UIC have these mobile vans that uh, provide services in several areas across the city. Uh, briefly tell us where we can find them. Yes, yeah, so right now, uh, most of our work is concentrated on the west side. Uh, as uh, Luther and Lee said, we're collaborating um, to do some work uh, on the Pulaski Corridor, which is a pretty uh, 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 intense location where there's been a lot of overdose activity happening, so we focus work there. Yeah. We're also on other parts of the west side. Uh, our van is a, a medical van that provides access to medically assisted recovery, but also other medical services. If people need uh, uh, wound care, uh, other health issues, diabetes, things like that. Uh, uh, the folks we deal with have a host of health issues yeah. that we're trying to, repon- to respond to. Well, we'll have to leave it there for now. We've been speaking with Dave Jimenez with Community Outreach Intervention Projects at UIC's School of Public Health, Lee Rush, and Luther Sias with the Westside Heroin Opioid Task Force. Great work, guys. Thanks for your time today. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.